Black Canary. I'll need a sparring partner. I'm Zatanna. Why do you care about some leggy dame in nylons? Or have I answered my own question? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for match. Hello and welcome to Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and this is going to be a different episode. I'm not reviewing any comics this time around. Instead, this episode is going to be my 2016 Boston Comic Con debriefing. Since I moved to New England a couple of years ago, Boston has become my comic convention destination. I've gone three out of the last four years. I've also attended Granite City Comic Con in Manchester, New Hampshire three times. But the Granite City Con is much smaller, they get precious few celebrities, and the quality of their artist's alley can be very hit or miss from year to year. It's mostly a gathering of retailers. And in fairness, I've gotten some awesome deals on back issues and toys when I've gone there. By contrast, the Boston Comic-Con has grown a lot in the years since I've been attending. They've had actors from Game of Thrones, True Blood, the CW vs. DC television shows. Last year, Agent Sharon Carter herself, Haley Atwell, was there. And I'm still convinced she spotted me from 50 feet away and gave me a sort of come-hither look. But that's not how security interpreted it. Oh well. As for comic creators, I've met George Perez, Neil Adams, Annie Wu, and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praised be his name, just to name a few. The problem is, for one reason or another, I have never gone to the Boston show fully prepared. Boston is three hours away from where I live, a six-hour round trip just in the car, so I can't go there on a whim. A trip to Boston Comic-Con is an all-day event. I've told this story on the Flowers and Fishnets podcast last year. I went to the con in 2015 with my friend Paul. We left at the crack of dawn, drove three hours, got to the Seaport Trade Center where the con is held, and managed to be some of the first 100 people inside when the doors opened. Except by the time we got in, we both had to go pee so bad that we didn't rush to meet our favorite creators, we rushed to the bathroom. So what happened this year? Again, I demonstrated my total lack of pre-planning skills for a Comic-Con. I attended this year's show with Paul Scavito, who has appeared on my Secret Origins podcast, Nathaniel Wayne, the host of 90s Comics Retrial, and another friend of ours named Justin. We got our tickets a couple weeks in advance, and we decided to go on Friday. The Saturday and Sunday shows had better selection of celebrity appearances from Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, but Friday had the panel discussions we wanted to see, and none of us really cared about standing in line to pay for a photo with John Barrowman. But I had spent the previous four weeks in Illinois visiting family, I was busy working on podcasts and other projects, I'd had a lot of other stuff on my mind, and my focus wasn't on the con. So I didn't plan for it. I didn't reach out to any creators to arrange commissioned sketches, I never even looked at the guest list. Not once. I had no idea who was going to be there. So on Friday morning, when Paul picked me up, I didn't have a backpack full of comics to get signed, I didn't bring any sunscreen, which turns out also would have been really handy had I been thinking ahead but no plans. All I knew was I was going to find a bathroom as soon as I got into the city so I wouldn't miss my chance to rush the artist's alley when the doors opened. Like I said before, it's three hours down there and three hours back, so we want to be at the con for a big chunk of time to make the travel worth it. We also didn't want to blow our spending cash on parking. 
Paul found a parking lot half a mile away from the Seaport Trade Center that cost $20 for the entire day as long as we got there before 10 o'clock in the morning. We did that. We parked at around 9.45. But the convention doors didn't open on Friday until noon. We get there two hours early, and we're close to the front. Again, we're going to be one of the first hundred people in the door when it opens. But that's still two hours away. Two hours in August outside, under the sun, when it's 93 degrees out. Most of that time was spent joking about how much Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti will just love us when we crowd their table, dripping with sweat all over the prints they're trying to sell. So, yeah, standing in the sun for two hours sucked, but we made the best of it. We talked about DC Rebirth, we talked about politics, and we spoiled the Netflix series Stranger Things for all of the people in line around us. Finally, the con opened and we got inside. Now, I learned my lesson from last year. I peed at the Dunkin' Donuts next door before we got in line. So we get inside and the convention hall is blasting the air conditioning, which feels nice. And I swear, we were probably among the first 50 people in the room. We agreed to split up and meet again before the Marvel panel started. There was a panel before that, which was a kids' costume contest that sounded kind of interesting, but Justin didn't want us to be the sweaty guys without children who go to watch a kids' costume contest. Although, it did lead to kind of a funny plan for next year's con of bringing a backpack full of blue ribbons. Anyway, like I said, we split up, everyone goes their own way, Paul went to find some artists to commission sketches for a Batmobile. That's Paul's thing. He asks artists to draw their favorite version of the Batmobile. He's got five or six now, just from the last two years. It's a really cool collection. Justin went somewhere, Nathaniel wasn't there yet, we actually met him later on. So I'm alone and trying to figure out whether or not I want to bug Howard Chaikin first, or Brian Stelfreeze, or Greg Pulo. And almost immediately, I realize I'm going to be sick. I hadn't eaten that morning, I hadn't had enough to drink, and I stood outside in the 93-degree sun for two hours. Just like last year, when I rushed to the bathroom right away, only this time, I walk right past the convention floor to the escalators, I go up to the third-floor cafe, I overpaid for a turkey wrap and a bottle of water, and that's how I spent the first 30 minutes of Boston Comic-Con 2016, eating lunch and drinking water so I didn't pass out from heat exhaustion. Maybe next year I'll get my act together. Anyway, that's how the con started. What actually happened when I rehydrated? I'll go through that kind of quickly in three sections. Merchandise, the things I bought, including original sketches and prints. Meetings, creators and friends both. And panels. I'll start with the merchandise because that's what everyone cares about. I ended up getting two original sketches, one of Black Canary and one of Zatanna. I also got another Zatanna art piece and two other prints. All of these will be posted on the Fire and Water website for this episode. As I said, I didn't prearrange any sketches. I had no idea who was going to be there. I took a wild Hail Mary toss asking Cliff Chang, but by the time I found him, he said he was too busy. I also talked to Phil Jimenez for a couple of minutes. Super cool guy, very friendly and engaging with his fans, very down-to-earth. He said he basically offers 10 commissions per day at a con, and those 10 spots were all grabbed up within minutes of the convention starting. He did say I could check back again in a couple of hours, and maybe he'd have another opening, but I could tell by how many people were mobbing up his line that it just wasn't going to happen. There was no way he'd have enough time. He was still a very cool guy, though. If you ever get a chance, talk to Phil Jimenez, great creator. I did see Howard Chaikin just sitting at his table talking to a staffer. I asked about a sketch, and he said he would, but he didn't have any paper. And of course, I didn't bring a sketchbook or anything of my own. He told me to check back in an hour, and 
I wasn't sure if he meant he'd have paper then, or if I had to supply my own. I can never tell with Chaken. I've talked to him twice, and I always kind of feel like he wants to fight me. Maybe that's just him? I, I hope it's just him? Knowing the big-name artists would be unattainable or unaffordable, I stocked some of the smaller tables and found Amy Spaulding. She had a ton of vibrant, colorful work on display, and naturally the first one I saw is an image of Birds of Prey, this iteration consisting of Bronze Age versions of Huntress, Catwoman, and My Black Canary. Her style looked very retro, like the covers of old pulpy dime novels. Very, very cool. I asked about a commission, but she said all of her work is done digitally. She could do it overnight, and I could pick it up the next day. Well, I wasn't coming back on Saturday, so instead of getting an original piece, I flipped through her book and found a glorious, beautiful Zatanna print. I eagerly bought an autographed copy of that print, and if you ever meet Amy Spaulding at a con, do not leave her table empty-handed. Shortly after that, I found Hannibal King, not the character from Tomb of Dracula and the Blade movies, the artist. Over on the Secret Origins special episode, I talked about meeting King and learning about his work on the Green Arrow story in Secret Origins 38. At the time I went to his table, I wasn't connecting him with that story, I just liked the art he had on display. He asked who I wanted him to draw, and as I was about to answer, I saw that he was already in the process of sketching Zatanna. Actually, I told him I'd love a Zatanna like the one you're drawing right now. She's one of my favorite characters. He said he could draw Zatanna all day long, and we agreed on a price and a general size for the sketch. I am beyond happy with the result. It's an awesome color sketch of the Mistress of Magic summoning ethereal forces from her top hat. I've already posted it on Facebook, and I'll add it to the website. You gotta see it. Gorgeous. After that, I wanted to find one more available artist because I really wanted a Black Canary sketch to complement the Zatanna piece, and I got one from Pat Davidson. Davidson is a professional inker, and the work he was showing off looked great, but I was really curious about what his penciled work would look like on a rough sketch of the blonde bombshell. He asked if I wanted a headshot or a full body, and I expressed what has been difficult about commissioning sketches of Black Canary. A headshot is really just a picture of a blonde woman. He laughed at that and agreed to do the full-body sketch. He whipped it up quickly, and it looks great. It has a very cartoony style. It reminds me a little of Jay Bone when he collaborated with Darwin Cook. I really love this piece by Pat Davidson. I'm thrilled that both of these commissions came out so well. Speaking of Darwin Cook, who I mentioned, there was a dealer there selling original art. He had pages by Kirby, Sal Buscema, Bruce Tim, and he had an entire portfolio of Darwin Cook original pages. I flipped through and found a black-and-white poster of Zatanna that Cook had drawn that I'd never seen before. There weren't any prices listed, so I asked the dealer how much for that page. He said $5,000, and I said, F*** that. He said, it's Darwin Cook. He just died. And I said, yeah, I'm aware of that. I walked away. I didn't call him a price gouger because I know that's just the reality of this business, but damn. Two other things I wanted to get before I left. Bernie Wrightson was there. He had Prince of Swamp Thing, Batman, Swamp Thing, and Batman, and Frankenstein's Monster. I had to have one of those, and I wanted something more, too. I wanted an autographed comic, but I didn't bring anything, so I went shopping. And I found DC Special Series number 2, which reprinted Swamp Thing's first two comics from 1972. And I got that book on a discount, too, which was sweet. So I had Bernie Wrightson autograph that comic, and I got one of his Swamp Thing prints. 
Marv Wolfman was also there. He had prints of some of the covers that he's worked on and some original scripts printed out at his table. I know listeners of the Fire and Water podcasts probably associate Marv Wolfman with Crisis on Infinite Earths and or the New Teen Titans. Not me. I think of his Marvel work, and first and foremost, I think of his Marvel horror work, like Tomb of Dracula. He was selling a print of the cover of Tomb of Dracula issue 10, the first appearance of Blade. As I did with Bernie Wrightson, I found a comic retailer booth and bought an issue of Tomb of Dracula for like $2. I got Marv Wolfman to sign that, and I got that Blade vs. Dracula print. And that was what I spent my money on. I got two original sketches, three prints, and two comics. Also that way, way overpriced turkey wrap and bottled water at the cafe. But that is not all I took home from Boston Comic Con. And that leads me to the second segment, meetings. I got to meet for the second year in a row Dr. Ange from the Supergirl blog Comic Box Commentary. And like the amazing lifesaver that he is, he brought me a goodie bag. He handed me a manila folder with half a dozen comics, some of them signed by the artists in attendance. These books included JLA Year One Issue 2, signed to Ryan from the writer Mark Wade. This is a good Black Canary story, and Mark Wade is my favorite writer. Also, you can hear me and Ange and a whole lot of other people talk about JLA Year One on the JL May podcast crossover that took place on the Fire and Water podcast, Waiting for Doom, Supermates, The Lantern Cast, The Idle Head of Diablo, Comic Reflections, and Views from the Longbox. Oh yeah, and this podcast, Power of Fishnets, also covered issues 3 and 4 as part of that crossover. Ange also gave me a copy of Batman Shadow of the Bat 36, which is a Batman Black Canary team-up. I have a copy of that comic, but the one that Ange gave me is signed by the cover artist Brian Stelfreeze, the same guy who is drawing the smash hit Black Panther series for Marvel right now. Ange's goodie bag also included JLA Incarnations Issue 1, which is cool because I think I have Issue 2. Arsenal Issue 1, guest starring Black Canary, a Secret Files and Origins tie-in to Day of Judgment featuring the Sentinels of Magic, including Zatanna and a bunch of other magical characters that I love. And finally, a copy of Supergirl Issue 7 from 1973, where the Maid of Might teams up with the Princess of Prestidigitation to stop the Sinister Snowman. I've read this story digitally, but I'm so happy to have a paper copy, and I can't wait for the day when I can cover the story on this podcast, and will definitely be on that episode. Mad props to him for these books. I am so grateful for his generosity and his friendship. It was great seeing him again, even though we only talked for like 10 minutes before we had to split up and go different ways. Maybe next year we can spend more time and actually record something together. The other meetings I've already talked about on the Secret Origins podcast. I met Mark Wade and asked him about Secret Origins, and I also talked to Hannibal King about the Secret Origins experience while getting my Zatanna sketch. I talked to a few other artists and retailers about general stuff. I didn't get in line to talk to Scott Snyder or Eric Larson or Sam Keith. The one artist I wanted to talk to that I didn't get to was Brian Stelfreeze, because I love Black Panther, and I would have loved to have picked his brain about that and get an autographed copy of that book. But the crowd in front of his table was always pretty long, and I was just impatient. I did hear Stelfreeze talk at the Marvel panel, and that's the last big topic that I'll bring up. As I mentioned earlier, I arranged to meet up with Paul and Justin and Nathaniel at the Marvel panel. Right before that started is when I met Mark Wade and asked him about Secret Origins. I wasn't recording any of what he said on my phone, I was just memorizing it. So when I ran into the ballroom to sit down in the back of the Marvel panel, I spent the first couple of minutes just frantically typing up my notes onto my phone while the artists were introduced. The panel included Arthur Adams, Brian Stelfreeze, Ken Lashley, and Sanford Green. 
James Robinson was supposed to be there, but he canceled at the last minute. So there were four artists, three of them African-American, and this led to the panel being unofficially rebranded Three Black Guys and Arthur Adams. And the panel was fantastic. I missed the first couple of minutes typing up my notes about Mark Wade, but I could hear the crowd cheering and laughing. And once I could pay attention, I was laughing too. The panel was hysterical. They got questions from the crowd about things like how the black experience shaped their work, and Stelfreeze, Lashley, and Green would all look directly at Arthur Adams and repeat the question to him. They got questions about the representation of black heroes in more mainstream media like Luke Cage, Black Panther, Falcon, and of course they deferred to Arthur Adams to answer the question, and he was a great sport about it. The others also gave him a lot of grief because the first question for the panel was, how did you guys get started in comics? And Adam said, I was a teenager, I submitted my work to Marvel, and I got hired. And the others were like, that is not the standard experience for breaking into comics. The Marvel panel was really enjoyable, which is nice because it's the only one that I attended. After it was over, Nathaniel and I went back to the con floor. Paul and Justin stuck around for the DC panel. So I wasn't there for the DC panel. I heard about it in the car on the way home. What they said was Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti were there hyping up Harley Quinn. Phil Jimenez was there talking about Superwoman, I think. And the guys restated my position that Phil Jimenez is a really cool guy. The big surprise was that Dan DiDio was there moderating the panel. That was not announced. We had no idea that he was going to be there. Had I known, I might have stuck around for that. Paul said that Dan was asked about Rebirth, and he told the story that the origins of the Rebirth launch started after New York Con, either in 2014 or 15. Basically, as the story went, DC had a panel, and at the end, they opened it up to questions from the audience like they always do. Except half the audience left, and the other half didn't have any questions. Dan said it was one of the lowest points of his career as editor-in-chief or publisher because it said the readers didn't care what DC was doing. He said he's happy when fans are happy, and he can be satisfied when the fans are angry, even, because at least that means they're passionate, at least they still care, they're engaged. But he said after that panel in New York, it was clear that DC fans didn't care. He said reader apathy is the worst thing, so that led to rebirth. If anything else was brought up at the DC panel, I don't know. After that, Paul and Justin stayed again for the Image panel con, which they both really liked. And then we gathered our stuff. Paul picked up his new Batmobile commissions, I picked up my Zatanna, and we went home. For starting off very rocky and hot and miserable, it ended up being one of the best con experiences I've ever had. And so much of that credit goes to my friends, Paul, Nathaniel, Justin, and Ange, as well as the amazing artists and creators that I got a chance to meet. But before I sign off on this episode, I have to share the moment. Every con I've been to in the last couple of years has had a moment. A thing, something I witness or overhear that just becomes the story I tell about that con until next year. And they usually involve cosplay for some reason. The moment for Boston Comic Con 2016 occurred while I was waiting to meet up with Ange. I was near the front entrance. A man walked in with a bunch of little kids. He had like three or four of them, and they looked young, six or seven years old maybe. About 30 feet away from them is a guy dressed as Captain Cold. He's got the classic Legion of Doom Captain Cold outfit. He's got blue lights on the fur trim of his parka, so it kind of lights up. And the father, who points out the cosplayer to his kids and says, Hey kids, look, it's Mr. Freeze. And one of the kids, this little shit, looks up at his old man and says, That's Captain Cold, Dad! 
And I think part of this father died inside because he realized what I recognized and what the kids knew was that he was there to be their driver and their wallet and to shut up. Like, the kids should have addressed him as stepdad or something, or by name, like Ron. The level of disdain from this kid, oh, it was amazing. And the father's look, hmm, magnifique. And that was the moment, and that was my time at Boston Comic-Con 2016. I hope you enjoyed hearing about it. Once again, please check out the Fire & Water website where I'm going to post images of the sketches and prints that I got this year. Next episode, I'm going to cover the origins of Zatanna and Black Canary as they were first written by Jerry Conway. Until then... Power of Fishnets is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback for the show can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or the Power of Fishnets Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter at BlackCanaryFan, or you can send an email to ourdailypodcast at gmail.com. Power of Fishnets is not affiliated with DC Comics. The views expressed in the show belong solely to the speaker. All music, audio clips, and quoted text are used for entertainment purposes and believed covered under fair use. And since I make no money off this podcast, no copyright infringement is intended. Thanks for listening.